Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. It's called Hollywood! Hey, what's up, everybody? Alan Kenny, co-host of Through the Keyhole, uh, brewed up by Vanessa House, as always. Make sure to check them out, our uh, gracious sponsors. And uh, make sure to uh, subscribe to our Patreon, too, if you if you haven't done that already. Uh, this is our free show, though, for the week, and I'm joined, uh, as always, by uh, co-host Peyton Guthrie and uh, our producer, Matt Burton. Fellas, what's up? Uh, Matt, you go first. Not much, man. Not much. I had a, uh, a busy weekend, man. We had a, uh, a Thunder Media uh, basketball pickup game on on Saturday. Um, that that was good. You know, uh, our guy Kamiar was there. Uh, he showed up and all the guys from the uncontested pod and then uh, all the people from the franchise as well. So it was just it was a fun time getting some cardio in on a Saturday. <laughs> that, was, that was a fun time. And then uh, definitely feeling the effects of that today. So, uh, yeah, it, basically everything below my belly button is sore, um, but we're we're thriving. We're thriving now. Right. Yeah. Whenever I play pickup now, man, like. I do it so rarely that for about, it seems like for about a week, I can barely walk. Like, you know, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Did, did Michael Cage show up? He's the Thunder play by play uh, color guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's the, he's the color analyst up there and that uh, he did not show up. Sadly. Oh. I think, I think the offer was sent his way, but I don't know. I guess he's just ducking us or he would have dominated the guys on the boards, man. He yeah, was absolutely. an animal back in the day. Or he was just resting up for his church league that he always mentions on on sunday so (laughs) he was just resting up for church league i think excellent excellent peyton how about you man Uh, i'm doing pretty good i was uh most this week i was in kansas city had some good barbecue some good steaks uh filming some stuff with the chiefs up there with my uh, day job so i've been a little bit out of the loop but uh talking about the cardio stuff saturday had a, a 50 mile bike ride getting ready for a uh a ride in Wichita Falls called a hotter in hell. Uh, so it's a hundred mile ride in a hundred degree heat, basically. Uh, so trying to get mileage in there, but other than that, uh, I'd like to suffer, <laughs> but other than that, uh, that that's been it for me, man. Yeah. Well, as Peyton mentioned, he's been uh, kind of out of pocket all week. So they've got me driving the bus this week. So, uh, with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and, uh, talk about me and by that i mean an article that i wrote this week it's my uh, projections for the power five conferences this season i went ahead i try to do this every year just uh went through uh, every team the power five came up with a win-loss record for all of them figured out who the uh champs would be and then also you know put together their projected playoffs so you know we'll just run through it tonight it seems like good as good a time as any to do it with uh you know preseason practices about to start up so We'll start off, fellas, in the ACC. Um, I have uh, kind of a familiar theme here. I have Clemson uh, going eleven and two, winning the uh, winning the whole thing, and uh, I've got them beating Miami in the title game. I also uh, include Notre Dame in the ACC here. I have the uh, Fighting mm-hmm. Irish at nine and three. Um, so you know, I I think that you know we've talked a lot about it on this show in the past about you know kind of feeling like there's a malaise coming up for Clemson uh, in the near future. But I, I still feel like though, just this team has so much more talent than anybody else really in the ACC right now uh, left the defense in pretty good shape, even with, uh, you know, Brent Venables is obviously leading for Oklahoma. I don't know. Uh, thoughts on uh, the outlook for the Tigers this year. 
I, th- I think what you have them 10 and two, uh, seven wins in conference, one uh, non-con uh, loss. I mean, one conference loss and one non-con loss. Who do you have them as a, did you have them as no, losing uh, at Notre Dame? That's the one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I, that makes sense. I mean, you, I, you would have to hope eventually Notre Dame's going to like win one of those games <laughs> you, you <laughs> against have to a talented that, football yeah. team. Well, then again, they beat Clemson like two years ago, didn't they? So did they? They yeah, did. Yeah. Trevor and, Lawrence yeah. was hurt and that's yeah. when we first oh. saw DJ. DJ. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to see anything. Uh, I mean, I, I guess the homer, not say the homer, I mean, I do like Mac Brown. I would like to see uh, UNC kind of step up over Miami, but it, you kind of have to look at it. Who has a quarterback? Who has some, uh, you know, who, basically for these teams, who has a quarterback and who has potential talent on the team to do that? Now, Miami is replacing, obviously, I think maybe you just have a little much more of a of a buyer, even though you say you're not a huge buyer in Mario uh, than I am. Uh, maybe you're thinking it's going to be the quarterback that kind of gets them over the hump to at least play in the ACC title game, but it's just hard for me to trust just Miami. I don't know why. It, it seems weird, but then you get into the whole who else could it be? Right. You know, that you mentioned North Carolina. I've actually a little bit higher, I think, actually on North Carolina than most. Their over-under for the season is uh, seven and a half. I've got, I've got them winning nine games this year. Um, you know, just kind of how the uh, the schedule broke their form. You know, they it's kind of weird in the sense that they play two back-to-back road games out of conference, and they're at Appalachian State and at Georgia State. Um, actually, two better, you know, kind of uh, G5 programs. But I don't know. I still – I something about this team i like the way i mean they get a lot of their kind of games i would see as 50 50 like virginia tech and notre dame pittsburgh all there in uh chapel hill as well as nc state to close the year so i'm i'm actually a little higher on uh higher on the tar heels than uh than most people seem to be well they're trying to do a big 10 you know uh song and dance so hopefully (laughs) that they, they play pretty well also another thing i mean you talked about just how much talent clemson has like yeah. I know they promoted from within, so like that defense is still going to be scary good. Like I mean, yeah. I, I think so. Even with losing uh, Brent and Todd Bates and all, and all these guys, that defensive line is just, they're just monsters. Honestly, like they yeah, might yeah. have three first rounders on their defensive line. Like it's just insane. I I think I'm with you, Alan. Just with talent alone, Clemson should still should should get back there and win it. Yeah, yeah, there's they're still close enough I think to uh to everything to where they can still be a pretty good program. It's the I think it's the, you know, 2 3 4 years down the road where we might see seeing some drop off there. Um another one I like in that in the ACC just to uh close up here. I was I found that I was uh higher on Louisville than most. I've got the the cards going 8 and 4. That would beat uh their uh over under by 6 their over under is at 6 and a half. I saw our friend uh, Keegan Renault, my uh, predecessor. He was uh, he's definitely down on uh, Louisville. Had them uh, going under the total as one of his best bets this year. I I don't know. I li- I really like Malik Cunningham. Um, I think Satterfield is a good coach. It's such a strange kind of situation there, where obviously uh, they're they're not very happy with the way he's uh, <laughs> handled himself in the off season, looking at other jobs and whatnot. But uh, that's one team that I, I'm I'm higher on. I think than most. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, next up, Big Ten. We're going alphabetical order here. Uh, well, you know, I realized that Michigan uh, won the conference last year, but it's no big shock to me. I've got Ohio State back, um, going 13-0 and this year, undefeated, uh, beating Iowa in the championship game at 9-4. and um, I actually have Iowa and Wisconsin uh, at, uh, tying in the Big Ten West at six and three on the season. Um, but uh, a win in Iowa City for the Hawkeye, Hawkeyes puts uh, Iowa over the top and gives uh, puts them into the uh, championship game there against the Buckeyes where they will get uh, summarily boat raced. Um, I <laughs> this Ohio State team just looks so good to me. Yeah, I don't know how you it, it's. It, it, the only way this gets in the way is if Knowles completely somehow breaks that defense, even though it's already broken. So I don't know how that could make it even worse. And maybe CJ just doesn't make a jump. Because uh, to me, at times last year, he had some Landry Jones-esque type of yeah. um, games. 
But the thing is, he had like what three first round wide receivers he was throwing it to, so it didn't quite matter, uh, yeah. you know, where he yeah. was at. And if that continues, maybe they could be got. But I mean, you'd have to. Uh, I mean, is is this the game plan? Do what Michigan did, just like shove it down their throat and say you're never you're not touching the football. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's and I don't know if anyone else in, in the league can do that. And just looking at this stuff, I, I, in my opinion, I know things ebb and flow and stuff, but maybe with UCLA and uh, USC coming in, they've got to mess with these. Th- Are they going division list, uh, Big Ten? They haven't announced that. I'm assuming, right? They've got to. They've got to, but I mean, but man, the big the Big Ten East is basically whoever wins the East just wins it. It just seems like unless Wisconsin's like super good one year, it just, it just seems so unbalanced competitively. The uh, have like basically your four best teams in one division every year. Yeah, the uh, the thing with Ohio State uh, and Chisholm Holland actually brought this up uh, when I was on with him at the franchise is like with Ohio State with Jim Knowles' defense that was the whole thing, Malcolm Rodriguez and all these guys talked about like how complex it was and like, Mm -hmm. and them having multiple years in the system that finally kind of came to a head last year. And you saw how great they were. And a lot of it is like a team buy-in like, Hey, okay, I'm going to take on these two guys so that someone else can make the tackle. Right. Like I'm going to take, I'm going to do something for like for the team. And he was like, I just, all those five and four star guys, like just don't know if he's going to get that buy-in at least right away. Um, and the fact that it is so complex to learn that, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that they're going to shoot up to kind of like Alan says in his article here, like they're not going to just go to top defensive unit right away just with Jim Knowles. But I, I do see them taking a step in the right direction on defense for sure. Cause Jim Knowles is proven. And if he can get the buy-in from those like five and four star guys, then that's scary. But Again, like you said, Alan, I don't think the defense is going to matter. Their offense is just that good. Like it's it's rare whenever you have like two wide receivers draft in the first round, and then the following year it's like, oh, their wide receiver core might be better than it was last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Like it's just God. it's crazy. That Travion Henderson, the running back, is a year older. CJ Stroud's going to be a top five pick in the NFL. Like it's just, I don't I don't see any way they don't win the Big Ten unless injuries occur. Here's another thing, too, that sticks out to me. They get their first five games of the season uh, in Columbus. They've got Notre Dame, Arkansas State, Toledo, then Wisconsin and Rutgers, all right there in a row. They've got to go to Michigan State, then they have an off week, and then Iowa's coming there. I mean, so their toughest road game would be at Penn State, but they only play four road games this year. Yeah, and then where's Penn State at at that point in time in their season, too? I mean, yeah. I, I, I've, I've never been a big James Franklin buyer at that point in time, but who knows? And then also what you're talking about, these teams they avoid, they get to avoid Purdue this year. So maybe it's a championship <laughs> year for them. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, one other thing about the, the Big Ten, and we don't talk a lot about the Big Ten on this show, but you know, people just generally, I, I understand the money uh, and, and whatnot, but in terms of quality of play on the field, it's generally assumed that the big 10 is kind of running second behind the sec. This is one that I never really understand because I get it with, I get it with Ohio state. I mean, Ohio state can go, you know, generally speaking, they're just, you know, a shade worse than Alabama or shade weaker. But I mean, Mm -hmm. we're still talking about one of the top three programs, but then, I mean, the rest of these teams, like, yeah, okay. You can be, you could say Michigan qualified for the uh, playoff last year, but again, they didn't, I mean, you know, they didn't exactly run through just a, a gauntlet teams. I just, I don't know. I find the big 10 all so much of the hype around the, the actually quality of play there to be just, I don't know. I, I just kind of unfounded. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at it, it this actually popped up on Twitter. I, I was replying to somebody, you can take Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And I think you could drop them in the sec and Ohio State would obviously continue to be Ohio State, and the rest of the teams I think would be okay. I mean, like you'd mm-hmm. have some seven and five, nine and three type stuff, but you the rest of these teams, like what Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, Illinois, <laughs> Purdue, yeah, but you know Northwest. I mean, you're looking at more than half the league, which is like would be bottom feeders <laughs> in the yeah. SEC uh, in any way, shape, or form. And when you start spreading that out, like when you have to start doing schedules and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Ohio State's schedule, I mean, man, it, it's 
it's I don't want to call it a cakewalk. I don't want to have us doing like some British bake off mm-hmm. uh, bed music in the background, <laughs> but it's it, nothing really pops out that makes you think, oh, you got to circle that game. I mean, maybe I, I'm trying to find a maybe <laughs> to be yeah. honest with you. I mean, maybe Michigan it, it is has rolled up the better than we thought they were. Maybe those coordinate the coordinator brain drain they went through wasn't as big of a deal, and it's like this huge giant primetime game at the very end of the year. And CJ gets banged around again, maybe. Um, but yeah, there, there's nothing on that schedule that makes me think not just write them in at 12 and 0 rolling into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of that's the way I look at it. Um, one uh, team of note here for uh, Sooner fans: I've got Nebraska actually going five and four in conference, and I've got them going eight and four overall. Uh, so you you know what that means. Uh, that is one of their uh, Oklahoma Sooners non-conference opponents next year. I do have the uh, have Oklahoma uh, going down there in Lincoln. Moving on to the Big Twelve, um, I've got the Sooners going ten and two overall and eight and one in the conference, beating Texas then in the conference championship game with eleven with Oklahoma finishing eleven and two. Thoughts? Uh, well, yeah, you jumped right over the Scott Frost stuff and the Nebraska stuff. Um, <laughs> is it is it purely just it's the first test under Brent Venables in a, in a big time game as the head coach? Um, the, you know, maybe Nebraska defensive line is a little bit harder to to handle. I mean, what's the full mindset of of picking of picking that coin flip? Because I think on your other projections, that game was closer in your mind than what it should have been. Um, like maybe what like what Vegas would say, right? Oh, I think, you know, I mean, Vegas right now, the early lines that I've seen, you know, have OU somewhere around like a four and a half, five point favorite. You know, I had OU in that similar range. Um, You know, it's kind of one of these things, though, where if you just kind of project out in a season, right, like, you know, I had OU lined for about 9.7 wins based on power rating. So, you know, you're either looking, you're you're either going to be prognosticating them at either nine wins or, or 10 you know, so it's, it's kind of just figuring it's not necessarily as, uh, looking at like, oh, I think that OU is definitely going to lose these two games because of X, Y and Z as much as just kind of trying to say, OK, OU, I, th- I think OU is probably going to be one about 10 games this year. So I, I need to find, you know, the two that I think they'll probably end up dropping uh, from a percentage standpoint or a probability. I, I went I went with Nebraska. You mentioned it's for it's Brent, uh, Brent Venable's first game as a head coach on the road. Uh, a lot of those for a lot of OU's players, the first time they'll be playing together on the road. And like Nebraska, I just see them as being in this spot where they need that win badly. Mm-hmm. Like there is, there's no way around it. If they have got to get a win there. Or, you know, I mean, it's the kind of thing where it can springboard them into a uh, a better season. They're going to be super fired up. Scott Frost, I'm sure, will be putting to, you know, kind of pointing towards that game. It's kind of, it's just a different mindset and scenario for the Cornhuskers there. You know, and they stumbled around so much last year. But, uh, you know, the stuff about, oh, the best three and nine team ever. It, it, I mean, it does hold some weight. They, you know, they took so many of those teams. They had so many close losses. They took so many teams down to the wire. OU being one of them. I just feel like that's setting up to be a uh, a loss for the Sooners and kind of a big, kind of a statement game for Scott Frost. Now, I don't know if that will hold over and, and carry over for him and, you know, make get him, it, enable him, I guess, to stay in the good graces of the administration there. But uh, it's a start, you know. Matt, what do you think, man? Do you think it's going to be ten and two, Oklahoma? I mean, do you see the rest of this? I mean, that would, I think that would in front be of us. That would be a win. I mean, a ten and two, big. Well, eleven and two with the conference championship win. I mean, <laughs> that's a big win. That's a huge win, honestly, for OU uh, this season. Um, the Nebraska stuff. It's interesting, man, because like it's weird where I feel like their outgoing quarterback is in a better situation for him. And then, but I think that they're in a better situation with Casey Thompson. Like it's, it's weird, like kind mm-hmm. of win-win there. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think Casey Thompson will be, will be good for Nebraska. Uh, them getting Oshawn Mathis from TCU is also, I mean, just to beef up that, that defensive line, like that's, 
just a huge get for them. Um, I mean, it's going to be a tough game. I'm not, I'm not going to like project anything. I mean, but it's going to, it's going to be a tough one. That, that will actually be a, a huge test. And I mean, hopefully the kind of embarrassment of last year, like that, I just don't think with the amount of talent that OU had, I don't think that game should have even, even been close, but hindsight's 2020. We know what happened uh, after the fact. So who knows, honestly, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm just, I'm just ready to get it going, man. If, yeah. if I'm going to, pro- yeah. so if I'm going to project this out a little bit, I, I think, I, I, I am going to predict. I am going to like try to predict this out a little bit. I don't know if Brent. I mean, Brent being Kansas State, playing at Kansas State, coaching at Kansas State, coaching Oklahoma. Yeah, um, yeah, I got While you. Nebraska was good, I don't know if, if that's something he lets slip. Or I think he understands the moment of, of what this game means and and what happens. I do think they can be ten and two as well. I, I do think they probably lose in, in Texas. It's tough. It's just you, know, you have to do all the things like first time quarterback, first time head coaches records, and in, in Dallas and all that type of stuff, and say, okay, we'll go ahead and say Texas just kind of out talents them. Out talents them. They've got too many e- edges on, uh, too many weapons on the edges and stuff. But I think maybe if, if I want to play this game of what I was just mentioned about Brent Nebraska, I think they lose to Texas and, and then lose to Kansas State and some sort of like Lon Kruger kind of bullshit where it's like, he's not mm. allowed to beat Kansas state <laughs> type type of a thing. Uh, I, I just don't, for some reason, it just makes me feel, it, I just don't know if Brent, I think the pro I think OU's program also needs Brent to win their first primetime, big time. It's not primetime game, obviously, but first big time game. And I think the program at OU is going to, is will step up for that part of it. But, um, and then I think Kansas state, even though you have an eight and four, I mean, I think they could be the team that sees the biggest rise in talent and win loss record if they can just keep everyone healthy. But that's, that's the same old story Kansas state has every single year. Right. I've got Kansas state this season going uh, eight and four overall five and four in conference. Um, i trying to think, I'm trying to remember Kansas state's uh, big non-conference game. It's uh, here we go. Mizzou. So it's week Ooh. two in, uh, in Manhattan. Um, so, you know, I just, I mean, getting Kansas state in Norman, uh, to me that, you know, I guess one way to look at that would be, it's also right after that Nebraska game. So, you know, there's a potential letdown, uh, at play there. You know, the other one that is kind of interesting for you is uh, TCU because it's right before Texas. So you got the potential look ahead spot, and, and I mean, TCU has a ton of firepower on offense. I mean, a ton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, it's, just, it's uh, the big 12 is just so hard for me because there is so much overturned stuff. And like the, you just have to, I just have to kind of think, are they going to be able to hold on to it with this new head coach and everything like that? Is it just going to be, let it rip, let it go. And then does the defense keeps sliding around as they keep trying to put up as much points as they can. TCU does seem like someone who's going to climb up there. I do see that you do not buy into the solid verbals uh, ultimate sandwich game uh, team, Texas Tech, uh, at all <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and, and for our listeners who do not listen to Texas uh, uh, solid verbal, go look at Texas Tech's schedule, and basically they get everyone on their schedule right after or right in bet- right before they play their big games. <laughs> so it's like right, yeah. their, their schedule kind of lines up really nice for them as well. But uh, is that just a, in your mind, just a symptom of the roster or a symptom of the work that they need to do out there in the West Texas? Yeah. Ty and Dan, they call it what like the Texas Tech's the snake in the toilet team or something. Like that. Yes, like, yes. You open it up and all of a sudden there's a snake in your toilet. Like, ah, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, which I, used to I terrify mean, me as a kid. Oh God, terrified no, yeah. me oh, that yeah. as a kid. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but you know, let's well, let's look at Texas Tech here, right? Like they've got a, a non-con game against Houston. I think Houston's going to be one of the best G five programs out there. It's in week two, um, so uh, you know, I have that as a loss. Then the the week after that, they have to go to NC State. Um, 
and NC State's a pretty solid, going to be a pretty solid team this year. I have that as a loss also. And then you start looking down the line. I mean, Texas at home, maybe they get that one. You know, they've uh, they've definitely put put some scares into Texas recently. I'm trying to think, look at the other games that I have them uh, when you're losing here. I do have them upsetting Baylor. Uh, they get Baylor at home. And I think Baylor has a uh, important game. Or wait, Baylor might have OU the week after that. That might have been what I was going for there. Let me see real quick. Yes, Baylor has at Oklahoma the week after. So I have Texas Tech gained a win there. I mean, I see them as a I, – I like the ideas, uh, like what they're doing with Joey McGuire, like in theory. Um, it just seems like they – you know, they – it's a tough ass this year. Um and just they're not quite ready to go there yet. Now, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is I think like like they get OU, for example, last game of the regular season. If if there's anything on the line for OU in that game, I just can't envision like the Sooners going down there and dropping that one. Like if there's a spot potentially in the Big 12 title game or something like that, like that's just like doesn't seem like a situation to me where OU is going to lose that game. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't think it's going to happen that way either. It's just it's. They just have such a strange, kooky kind of schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do notice here, uh, Kansas, you have them at three total wins, nine losses, one win in conference. So it's, it's nice that you've given them that Texas win again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but realistically, who do you have them jumping up? I'm assuming it's West Virginia or Texas Tech? TCU. Uh, I need to look okay. at the schedule here for the Jayhawks. Yeah, they have TCU at home. They've got, like, I mean, who is doing this? Like, Okay, here's Kansas' schedule. They play, I'm looking at now, they play eight straight games to start the season before they have a bye week. Like, what are they doing? And, and I mean, two, the, two in a row, they play at West Virginia, then at Houston. Like, who is making this schedule? This is ridiculous. Um, but, no, I do. I haven't been TCU October 8th. Uh, it's going to be there in Lawrence. Now they, if you recall, they actually did beat, they beat TCU again, mm-hmm. um, uh, a couple, a couple years ago, that is going to be coming off the Oklahoma game. So it's potential, you know, the, uh, what they call it, the body blow theory, uh, yep. that, you know, you take, you take on a power team and then, you know, they've got to go to, so that stretch for TCU is, uh, at SMU, then Oklahoma, then at Kansas and then hosting, Oklahoma state. So that's a, it's kind of a weird spot for them. I, I see the Jayhawks getting, they'll get at least one winning conference, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got to have to, I mean, just looking at the bottom of the conference, like you said, with, with in my mind, I, you know, I guess TCU, Iowa state, Texas tech, West Virginia, all any of those games could be gettable for, for Kansas. Mm-hmm. And I do think Kansas is, is building. It's just, you know, it's, it's an eight, 10 year process to get this done. Uh, but they do seem somewhat respectable at times. I mean, they obviously beating Texas, taking Oklahoma right down to the wire. I mean, they have the ability to do something. They're getting better players on there. Uh, they're getting up to respectability. But yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it's maybe it's Neil's Neil Brown's last year at West Virginia after he suffers a Kansas loss or you know something along those lines. But I mean, to, to, to go back to Oklahoma, I mean, ten and two. In my mind, nine and three would be uh, uh, acceptable. Ten and two, I think, would be great uh, as a start off for um, for Brent Venables as a head football coach for Oklahoma. And um, I want to do a, a quick swerve into a, a recruiting thing here. So, according to twenty four seven, if you add Jacoby Johnson, Derek LeBlanc, and Josiah Wagner, uh, or Josiah Wagner, it gets them to two hundred and sixty six points on the on the class calculator, which is exactly where they were last year. Uh, with only 19 commits. Um, and then with some of the stuff they have coming up, there's there's a, a, a legitimate chance, oh, you could get to around that 280 mark, which would give them just knocking on the outside of a top five class and also be higher than uh, OU has uh, hit in 24-7 in the last, uh, just looking at last decade or so. So I just don't, I, I know we've been saying it, but this is repeated again based on what we think is going to happen on the field, based on what we see what's happening on the recruiting trail. Uh, I don't think OU is going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny, the more like national stuff that I've listened to lately, I mean, you know, there's obviously the uh, opportunity for a lot of engagement right now by, uh, you know, 
uh, trolling OU fans, but at the same time, I mean, I'm, I'm also hearing more and more kind of national uh, writers and media figures kind of recognizing like, oh, wow, they're actually doing really well in recruiting. And, you know, this actually looks uh, like a, a pretty decent outfit they've got <laughs> set up here going forward. Yeah, the only ones who I see really hitting it hard or uh, who continue to kind of hit it hard uh, is the cover three guys because I think they, they're they the ones who are so hard out the gate on it, and it's it's kind of like a stick now to a certain degree. It keeps <laughs> saying Oklahoma's going to, uh, you know, suffer and, and not be knocked down a, a peg or two, but I don't know. I, it just seems if you just see what's happening uh, in recruiting, like there's a chance OU has its highest point total – Again, that's that could be kind of weird uh, via 24-7 in a decade under a guy who everyone's like, will Brent Venables be able to recruit? <laughs> yeah, uh, Just immediately out-recruiting the guy who everyone says is a recruiting wizard. So it would be kind of strange to see what the next talking points will be if OU is able to pull in uh, that type of class and go 10-2 and on, on, the, on the season with what everyone seems to think is an under-talented football team comparable to the past. Now, Matt, I've got Texas at six and three in conference. Uh, I've got them actually beating Baylor, which would give them a tie break to uh, play in the uh, Big 12 Conference Championship game, eight and four overall. Tell me, am I wrong about the Longhorns this year? I don't know, honestly. I mean, I, I can't tell you that. I, I do like Baylor a lot. I yeah, mean, I, I think they're, they're, you know, returning kind of production in the trenches on both sides. I think I would lean in favor of them, but um, sorry, just while, while we were kind of on it, if, if Kansas wins three games, Lance Leipold should be coach of the year. Like I'm not even joking. <laughs> I would vote for him. Coach build of the year a statue. If I had one, build the statue if you win three games, uh, but sorry, back to Texas, man. I mean, they just have so much talent on the, on the yeah. skill positions, man. It's just, it, can they block for him? And can that defense get, a couple of stops <laughs> can the defense yeah. get any stops at all. That's going to be the, that's going to be the thing with them is the defense and the offensive line. That's it. No, no one's like, I mean, Xavier worthy. That's a first round wide receiver. Like Bijan Robinson is going to be the first running back taken depending on where they draft running backs. Now I don't even know if they draft yeah. in the first round anymore. Um, but it, I mean, if like, he'll be the first one taken uh, Quinn Ewers, if he's everything that, he's been, he's been built up to be then. Yeah. I mean, I, I can definitely see Texas getting there. I mean, they was it recruiting and accumulating talent at Texas has never, never been the issue. Never been the issue. They always have talent, man. And I know we like to make jokes about like, Oh, Texas is back. You know, they're, they're always back in July in mm. the off season. One of these days it's going to happen. Like one of these days, so they, things will click. Like we, we've seen it before. They, like when Vince Young was there, when Colt, Colt McCoy was there and not since, but, yeah. but yeah. like it, it'll happen. Like it's just, they keep it. They keep getting too much talent um, to fail. I sound like a real Texas apologist right now, but, but yeah. I just like, I, I like making the Texas is back jokes, like just as much as the next guy. But one of these days it is going to happen. You know, the funny thing is, too, is uh, I have Texas there at eight and four. Uh, that's actually under the projected win total form in Vegas this year, too. So it's not like uh, that would necessarily be right. You know, They're being back. Yeah. yeah. Blowing the expectations out of the water or something. You know, I mean, it's so. Um, all right. Well, moving on to uh, the Pac-12 here. This is a weird one. I mean, the Pac-12 is so hard. There's just for me to gauge, but I've got uh, Utah going 12 and one and uh, knocking off Oregon in the Pac-12 tile game. I believe they're playing uh, at Allegiant Stadium there in Las Vegas now. Um, this Utah team just they're so they're so sound everywhere. They've got they're so well coached by Kyle Whittingham. Um, I've got them actually in the in the uh, regular season, kind of similar to OU in Texas. I've got um, I've got uh, Utah losing at Oregon, but then winning the the rest of their games, uh, and then getting obviously getting uh, revenge there in the conference title game. Uh, thoughts, guys? I mean, Oregon going undefeated in the conference. I mean, Oregon's not a team I have a major pulse on. Um, so no, I, I don't either. To, yeah. I, need to, I need to look into that. Uh, but the, yeah, it's just, but 
I think as you've kind of written down in here, uh, when you talk about the USC stuff, it just doesn't, the Pac-12 just doesn't seem that strong. I mean, it does seem like it's Oregon, Utah, and UC, uh, USC. And I guess you can toss in UCLA as well. I mean, they played pretty well last year. And then it's just the rest of the rest at that point in time. So, like, who is going to jump up and get them? Do they have any sort of weird stuff? Oregon having to play uh, Georgia, obviously, mm-hmm. is, is a tough one for them. But, I mean, Oregon was really good last year. They had a couple of slip-ups for them, too. And I think those teams are somewhat mirrored to, to how they were playing last year, Oregon and, and Utah, more that hard-nosed, tough, run-the-ball type of things. Um, I, I do think you're right. I think it's a quarterback uh, a thing that changes. And if Cam Risen's right, as we saw in that bowl game, you know, what if Cam Rising makes them – what if he is who he was in the Rose Bowl for the entire season? You're looking at him being in New York. You're looking at him, yeah. you know, being in the playoffs and everything. So, I mean, I think that's a pretty good spot right there. Uh, and if – in my mind, if you can take that Utah toughness and then put in a quarterback who played that well, as he played well last year, and, and you know, improve on it, yeah, that, that could be an unbeatable team out in the pack at least. Yeah, I like no, I like yeah, Utah. I, no, I really yeah. do like Utah uh, this season. Oregon, Oregon scares me. I'm I'm like you, Peyton. I don't have a, a pulse on them. I know that they missed. They were missing just an absolute ton in that bowl game. So like, I don't I don't want to yeah. like I don't want to base what I think of this year's Oregon team off of that. So yeah, I mean, I really do think, and I I think it's between Oregon, Utah, and USC. the the other The other teams do absolutely nothing for me. I don't think I don't think any of them are any good. Uh, Arizona State might have been like a huge wild card if they would have kept um, McDaniel's. I think that was their quarterback's mm-hmm. name. Um, if they would have kept him, maybe. But I just I'm not seeing it anywhere else really. Yeah, Arizona State, they've got so much just – there's just so much turmoil. They're the a dumpster fire. There. Yes, yeah. they're a dumpster fire. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to read Oregon's road schedule to you guys now. Ready? Here we go. At Washington State, at Arizona, at California, at Colorado, and then at Oregon State to close out the year. That's – I mean, that's yeah. to me – and then Georgia, of course, is in Atlanta. Yeah. So let's go ahead and call that a, a road game. But yeah. I don't care if they're playing that game in, you know, Sioux Falls. I mean, Oregon's yeah. Oregon, Oregon's not going to be Georgia this year. But I just – it just sets up so well to me. Now, the one thing that has been concerned is then I look over at, the, you know, the uh, win total that's been set for them there in Vegas. They have it at eight and a half. So maybe I'm, I'm overrating uh, Oregon here, but – I just, it, I mean, I realize also it's a new coaching staff, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It just feels to me like it just is is gifted to them this year. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, I mean, according to Wintels, yeah, you're overrating them, but like, who would you be underrating at that point in time? <laughs> you know, it's like who 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 on this list is better than what they are? I mean, maybe Washington State with the new air raid or something like that can mm-hmm. kind of catch them off guard and they're switching around, but it just, yeah, that, that schedule just has them. They only go to all the cupcakes and they get all the quote unquote good teams at home. It That's going to be, uh, I mean, the only way I think you could not have them at where you kind of have them is if you were to give USC like another win, but at that point in time, it's, or maybe UCLA gets something or Stanford trips them up or something like that. Cause doesn't Stanford has a decent quarterback. Don't they, don't they have one if it has like some buzz? Yeah, McKee is definitely getting some NFL uh, NFL hype. You know, there's not a, a whole lot around him, but I mean, that's one team. Sanford's a, a real interesting one to me this year. I've got them going six and six. Uh, Vegas has them set for four and a half at, as their over under, so that would be over. Um, that's a, that's a, that's just a, a really interesting team because it just feels like David Shaw. In a lot of ways, things have kind of passed him by, but. I don't know. He's, you know, they they play such a kind of a unique style uh, for modern day football. Like, you know, I think they have uh, USC like in week two. Um, that's one that, to uh, keep an eye on. I think, yeah, they host USC week two, September 10th. Uh, that's the kind of team that in the past, we, I mean, we know as well as anyone, I mean, the kind of teams that Lincoln give uh, Lincoln Riley's teams trouble and seems like Stanford would be one, right? 
Yes. I mean, if you look at the type of teams that give him trouble uh, of everyone on here, it looks if Oregon continues to have the quote unquote hard nosedness about them, which you have to expect they will under with a defensive court yeah. coordinator as their head coach, uh, Utah and Stanford, those would be the teams you could circle and say, yeah, those are the guys who are going to punch USC players in the mouth. And then, you know, do they have the effort to get in there? That's, that's one thing I, uh, I will say to the cover three guys who are talking about Texas and OU to a degree too, uh, when they move to the sec, it's like, yeah, you, the issue has never been on the edges. The issue's never been about they have great running backs or great, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just, will they have a guy who's just going to get their face punched and be okay with it? Riley's teams have never been the, you know, hardest teams when it comes to that. So I think those are kind of teams that are going to continually to have them to be an issue. And honestly, it kind of makes me laugh thinking that the team USC will be moving to the Big Ten where basically every team is that's their entire MO. <laughs> right. Yeah. Eat, grind you down. So it'll, it'll be kind of interesting. But yeah, th- those are the teams I think will give them the trouble um, th- this coming year. But you have so much chaff at the bottom. I mean, Colorado, come home. <laughs> some of this stuff man it's just rough yeah i've got usc at uh nine and three six and three or pardon me let's see here make sure i got that right yeah oh no pardon me i have them at seven and two in the conference so yeah that's right they're one of their their one conference levels. i have them losing to notre dame um i don't know would that be a good year for lincoln uh in in his first season there what do you guys think I mean, I think so. Just with they they addressed a lot of uh, skill position needs, obviously, with having Caleb and Mario from OU and then Jordan Addison and uh, Travis Dye as well. But again, that defense was bad. That offensive line was bad. They didn't address either, really. I just, yeah, I think nine wins would be a success with that with that roster, to be honest. I think with the roster and the um, and the expectation that teams are playing, eight and four, nine and three should be the expectation to a certain degree. I mean, I, I kind of see it as the same thing as like a Brent Finnables at OU, where you can sit there and hand ring and say all this stuff, but then you can say, well, you could just out athlete everyone on the on your schedule <laughs> to a certain degree. And if Kayla Williams has, you know, the Rainy Bolitnikoff winner, Mario Williams, Travis Dye, and like they're going to be able to put up some level of points to get in front of some of these teams. And if anything, we know Grinch can apply pressure. If that's all it is, it's just Lincoln Riley's going to try to score 40 and Grinch is going to try to get as many sacks as possible and turnovers because his defense probably won't be able to get many three and outs. Uh, And yeah, they should be able to do that. Anything less, I would maybe, if I was USC fans, start kind of like gripping my hands or something, Mm. Uh, especially looking at this point in time how they're recruiting on the lines. Uh, it, it's not going as well. Um, I don't know. They need to buff. They need to get bigger <laughs> just in the yeah. recruiting side of it, which again is really weird to say <laughs> when you're, we're so used to, you know, Riley being like the recruiting wonder kid type of a thing. So uh, maybe it's just a slow roll, slow burn, trying to find, uh, you know, turning over every rock out there in the West, but I think this should be expected. Anything less, in my opinion, based on who they're playing. I mean, you only have a – I mean, I'm just looking at the conference wins and losses. You only have – Leslie, I typed your symptoms into the thing up here, and it says you could have network connectivity problems. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they they should walk through that, to be honest with you. And it will probably be infuriating. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, moving on to uh, the SEC, this is the final final one here. I've got Alabama, not surprisingly, going uh, undefeated in the regular season, eight no conference, twelve and overall. I've got a meeting uh, similarly undefeated Georgia in the championship game with Alabama uh, winning there and uh, securing the number one seed in the college football playoff. But um, I don't know. I mean, you know, is, I know that this seems really boring, but at the same time, I mean, you got Alabama and Georgia. It seems like kind of the two top dogs in college football in general right now, right? So, I mean, how is there is there any team in the SEC that could challenge either of those two for supremacy this year? Well, depending, I mean, no. 
Uh, <laughs> I guess the long answer is, is no. I, I think it really depends on uh, how much you put in the media days. Uh, I do see you have Vanderbilt uh, with only a one win, but they did get a first place vote. So maybe there's a chance <laughs> they have magic in the bottle there. Um, I mean, no, the only team, and this is going to be somewhat like, um, you know, Peyton's an idiot type of thing. The only team I could circle on that would be AM because you got to say, okay, do they have a quarterback? One of these quarterbacks works out for them. Then they may have a chance to kind of, work your way through some of that and get to like a 10 and two type of a thing. Uh, but even then they, I don't think they could beat one of these teams twice. I don't think they could do it. Honestly, I don't know if they could do it once, but AM has had the, it does seem to know somewhat of the blueprint of how to beat Alabama, which is your quarterback blacks out and makes every play mm. he needs to. Uh, and your defense is just good enough to kind of hold them down. But anything out of the East, I mean, Tennessee could 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 make some noise if the defense has like a pulse. I mean, Hypo was putting up tons of points on people. They performed admirably against uh, Alabama and Georgia last year. Uh, both, I think they got separated pretty late um, on both those games in the fourth quarter is where the major separations happened. Um, but the rest of these teams just play in a way that seems to put, put themselves right in the hands of their quote-unquote overlords, like how Kentucky and South Carolina and Missouri – uh, and honestly, how Florida, how they kind of play, plays right to how Georgia wants you to play against them. <laughs> Tennessee seems to be the only team trying to go crazy about it. Um, and then LSU is just not there. I don't think LSU is going to be there this coming year. Nah, I, thoughts about it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think LSU is either. That's that's where the McDaniels kid from um, Arizona State went. So, I mean, at the very least, they'll have, a, they'll have a pretty good quarterback. That just wasn't. They just had a ton of other issues <laughs> last year, <laughs> last year, rather than just quarterback play. Um, and Peyton, don't flip that on on the radio last week. I said the only other SEC team was AM. So I, I am in agreement with you. Like that's again, that's again, that's a that's just a talent thing for yeah. me. It's like they, they are going to have not not the same amount of talent, but relatively as close as you can get. Um, without being at that same talent level, they're right. They're right around there. So, um, but no, I, I'm with you, Alan. I think Georgia and Alabama, and they're they're the one and three seed in the in the playoff. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I just and I do like Alabama a lot. Like <laughs> Georgia is good. They're going to be good, no doubt. They just how good are the replacements on defense because their entire defense basically got drafted. So like, yeah, exactly. I mean, so how good are those replacements and Kirby smart still just not going to play five-star quarterbacks. It's going to be Stetson Bennett again. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think honestly, I think it's Alabama and Ohio state against the field this year, just barring injuries. Right. You know, it's funny. You guys, you're bringing up LSU. I was looking at Phil Steele. He's got LSU projected last in the uh, SEC West this year, which is uh, just mind-blowing to me, even with the coaching change or even with the issues there. I you know, I think that they'll end up being okay, LSU, that is. Um, in fact, I've got them at like eight and four, I think. So that would end up being more than just okay, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, a lot – a lot could go wrong there too. <laughs> so Tennessee is one. I really hate the idea of buying in on the Vols because they, everybody who's done that in history has always been, has been disappointed <laughs> and be, um, you know, they're just one of those teams this year that is getting a lot of kind of preseason hype. Um, but just the way it worked out, I just, I see it going pretty well for them this year. Um so, you know, looking across there, I just, I don't know, it feels like it's going to be kind of pretty status quo. Uh, interestingly, I, I look through, I've only got one team that wouldn't be bowl eligible out of 14, that being Vanderbilt. So, uh, you know, it could just be a lot of, after the top two, there could be a lot of cannibalization across the conference this year. Yeah, I think that's how it's going to have to happen. I want to look at your LSU thing. Obviously, I don't see them as being last either. But if they're going four and four in conference and then you look at their out of conference, I mean, Florida State is a name, but I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know if either of us would want to put any sort of money on any Florida State game uh, to win. 
I mean, four and four, is that just not like, I don't know. That just seems kind of weird. Uh, I don't know. I get like a weird shaky feeling uh, from, from them on that point in time. And I think if you're going to cannibalize, I would probably, I'm going to say, I think Tennessee is, is your highest riser out of everybody. And maybe it does kind of push itself a little bit more than this in a five and three conference uh, uh, record. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there just seems so much of this middle stuff. I mean, man, you know, Ole Miss, you got in there. Arkansas, I think Arkansas has just a brutal schedule. If they can get to six and six, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be rough uh, for them going forward. And then maybe South Carolina. I mean, I don't know. I want to buy in on South Carolina. I want Beamer to do well. Um, he, he seems such a likable guy. Uh, you know, he knows who to dunk on in the media and who not to dunk on. He <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, knows how to balance that pretty well. So, I mean, my heart will be pulling for uh, – for South Carolina uh, to do a little bit better than uh, what would you have, man? Six and six, six and six. Yeah. yeah um, I think that, that uh, be... I think that SEC East does kind of cannibalize itself for sure. Cause I think like Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri, I think they all just kind of trade shots against each other. Honestly, like, yeah. I mean, Kentucky and Florida are going to have pretty good quarterback play. Uh, South Carolina should have pretty good quarterback play and so should Tennessee. So I think they're all just kind of going to trade shots with each other, honestly. Yeah. You know what? South Carolina actually winning uh, six games would be going over their season. Their season total right now is set at five and a half. So that would be a, that would actually be, I guess, somewhat overachieving for them. Um, yeah. You know, uh, splits on duo, Richard Johnson, they had uh, Seth Galena from, um, uh, PFF on pro football focus. And they were mainly just focusing in on the uh, transfer quarterbacks. And, mm-hmm. you know, they made an interesting point about Rattler that, that I really agree with actually, that I feel like he would have been better in more of a downhill kind of pro style offense. Um, but now yes. that he's trying to do it at South Carolina, it's going to be a heavier lift than he would have had at OU, you know? Yeah. I mean, he seems to be a kind of guy that if you could play action, set feet, throw football, he, mm-hmm. he's going to do really well, especially with his arm strength and arm talent and everything that he does bring to the program. I remember uh, you, you mentioned the predecessor earlier, Keegan, uh, would just fall in love with how, and this is something I only heard last year, how he could layer throws, you know, get them above and then below <laughs> different defenders and stuff. And everyone's losing their mind about it. Uh, that type of stuff. And maybe we talked about like a, uh, like you said, for like Stanford, or you could even say the same thing for Texas A&M, like has Jimbo Fisher been passed up as an offensive play caller uh, and comparable to where offenses are now. But I think A&M was like my um, you know, back pocket thing of saying, like, I think that's where Rattler should transfer because he would be, he would succeel in that type of offense mm-hmm. where it's a power yeah. run. You throw it when it's, uh, when it's available uh, because uh, Jimbo, you know, with Mond and stuff, he's trying to take these scrambler quarterbacks and make them the pro styles instead of just getting pro style guys who can run your system. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he reacts, but if their offensive line still struggles and everything like that, and he's having to scramble around, we've seen that out of Bradler and we've seen who he is. uh, If he's having to, if he's being asked to do more than just read the field and make the throw. Yeah. I mean, I felt like last year, uh, so much of it like started breaking down for them when uh, teams were defending them as though rather running didn't scare them at all, <laughs> you know, and you, you started to understand why, but um, that was, uh, that was, so, you know, an offense that isn't asking him to be that kind of threat to me is uh, going to be a plus for him. Um, so then looking, let's go ahead though. Look at the uh, playoff here. I've got uh peach bowl. I've got number one, Alabama uh, over number four, Utah. Fiesta Bowl, I've got Ohio State over Georgia, and then uh, Alabama over Ohio State. You know, uh, yeah, Utah is a, is a change of pace, having them in there. But otherwise, man, this is just so boring. It's the same thing over and over and over, you know. Yeah, I, I still know how you fix this stuff. I mean, I don't know yeah. if you're supposed to fix it, honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I'm very much of a – I think, Alan, you and I probably agree with it if you want other teams to be in this thing, the other teams just have to get good enough to be in the thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, that's exactly. But I mean, maybe something that does quote unquote fix it is, I mean, I, I know, I think the NCAA has uh, put forward a motion to remove any and all transfer restrictions. 
maybe that does something. I mean, maybe it becomes like more teams are wanting to, I don't know, it hasn't happened yet, but maybe it's because it's just the one time free that the top teams keep getting all the top transfers. But maybe if it's you can transfer anybody out, then you can start grabbing depth or something along those lines, maybe. Um, but to me, I think the moment they do, if they do completely unfettered, uh, unrestricted transfer rules, um, I think the schools themselves at that point in time will be pressuring. Uh, or at least leaving uh, like pamphlets of saying, here's how you unionize guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think they would want these players under contract at that point, a quote unquote, like a, some sort of work for like a, uh, I don't know if anyone, if you guys are familiar with how the WWE does it, they're in the, they're, they're considered independent contractors. So they pay with mm-hmm. them, they work for them, but they're not responsible for their healthcare and all that type of stuff. Uh it also allows them to not just immediately jump over to another company and wrestle like immediately. So there's like a still contract rule. So I could see them wanting to do that. Cause if the NCAA does say, Oh yeah, you can just leave whenever no penalty. Um, I don't think head coaches are going to like that across the board. And you may see some, you may see them have more buy-in on wanting more stability over what their rosters look like year to year. I, I think that's probably the only way to make it not boring. <laughs> question mark. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think the teams you have on there, I think somebody else had Utah just recently, um, in, in, in their playoff, uh, that was kind of a, a, another, uh, media name. I can't remember who, but yeah, I think this is, I don't know, I guess if you have, if you believe in Oregon the way you do, maybe it's Oregon as well, uh, over Utah, but it's hard to not think it's going to be Alabama, Ohio state, Georgia, and then insert number four team to get blown out by 30. Yeah. Depressing how Matt. Yeah, pretty depressing. Pretty depressing, but I'm kind of with Peyton. Like, how many times have we seen the four? Like, I'm all for expanding the playoff, but how many times? And how many times has OU been the one where it's like the fourth team? It's like uh, just the fourth team really doesn't belong, (laughs) to be honest. So it's depressing, but hey, it's all right. Yeah, It's okay. It'll be be okay. Yeah, and to be fair, like seeing – Alabama and Ohio State go toe to toe in the championship game will be fun. I mean, just you know, seeing what Ohio State. I mean, that offense to me just looks filthy, and uh, you know, I feel yeah. like they'll probably won't have the same kind of complete team that Bama will. But you know, that's the kind of team that is probably going to have to be the one to uh, knock off the Crimson Tide this year. Yeah, and as we've seen in these playoff games. I mean, Alabama's had a good defense. Florida's had a good defense. And then once the title game happens, it's just fireworks. I mean, it's, it's like, yeah. it's like, why even have defenses on the field? It seems like. Uh, so if you, if you have the top offense and you've got a defense that's respectable, maybe you can make it to where Alabama just can't keep up. And as we saw last year, I mean, depending on your thoughts on it, if Alabama's two wide receivers don't go down, they probably beat Georgia to a certain degree. Now it happens. So Georgia wins. Congratulations on them. Uh, you know, inflation went crazy and gas prices went crazy because of it, as we've seen. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, who knows on that? And then I, I do want to mention one thing that the uh, the founder uh, Brady has mentioned um, for the seven national championship teams OU's had, they've beaten Texas, Nebraska, and Oklahoma State all in the same season. So this is the last year OU could possibly have a national championship. Other than that, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, anything I missed? Anything else catch your eye around uh, college football this week? Uh, other than the transfer stuff and then Tennessee getting kind of hit um, mm. in the way they did, which again is uh, never comply, even though I guess they complied so they could fire that head coach. But still, um, it, it, I guess you have to kind of weigh the pros and cons of uh, complying with the cops. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I mean, they did it there so that they could save, you know, like save them like 13 million bucks, uh, yeah. <laughs> getting rid of Jerry Pruitt. So, you know, I mean, comply, uh, you know, they, I guess there are some savings there. So. Thank goodness that, uh, that a player didn't get $300 and then pay it back. And then they didn't self-report it. And then, they, <laughs> yeah. and then they get it. Well, and it's not like basketball where, uh, you know, they gave Oklahoma state a postseason ban. It's not like you can really give, uh, Tennessee a postseason ban. I mean, you can for a bowl game, I guess, but what does that really matter? What does that matter? It's not, they're not making the playoff. 
Yeah, and the stuff though that that was on in that like it was like two hundred dollars worth of McDonald's food and like <laughs> manicures and stuff. <laughs> I mean, and they I guess. and they said I think I remember reading it like the the two hundred dollars worth of McDonald's food was like a mistake or something. Like they meant to give them bags of money, but but they, <laughs> they had, had to order they had the order yeah. messed up or something. I can't quite remember how it all worked out. Uh, how pissed would you be yeah. if you thought you were getting a McDonald's bag full of money and instead there's just a hundred McDonald's? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A fillet of fish combo or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, well, fellas, well, I think then uh, I think we we covered it all, man. I appreciate you guys indulging me going over my uh, picks here. Uh, you know, these are sure to go wrong. These are entertainment purposes only, but uh, gives us a little bit something to talk to. And we are, but we are so close to practices also starting. So finally, maybe we'll have some some actual football to talk about soon enough. Please. Hopefully. Hopefully. Oh. Yeah, if we can make it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's something I'm trying to remember my first time hosting. There's something else. Boomer!